Welcome everybody. I have a question for you. Let's start the day off with this very important question. When is a Christian acting least like a Christian? The answer may surprise you. This week on The Deep End. The Deep End Podcast. Welcome to The Deep End Podcast brought to you by Waters Church in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. The Deep End is where we go deeper in the scriptures to empower our walk with God. If you're watching on Facebook Live, we're glad you joined us, and we encourage you to be a part of the conversation in the comments below. If you're listening in on SoundCloud or your podcast app, be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let's go live to Pastor Tim Hatch as we get started with today's podcast. This is The Deep End. Welcome, welcome in everybody watching on Facebook or listening on our podcast or on SoundCloud. We are everywhere today. You can't get rid of Waters Church. Waters Church will not let you go, just like Jesus. And we are so glad to have you join us for The Struggle is Real, part five. Five parts in, two chapters into the book of 1 Corinthians. So take out your Bibles and get there as quickly as you can or open in your smartphones or on your web browser or wherever you are. I am so glad that you join us every week, every week on Facebook Live, especially those of you who join us live. If you take time off from work or lunch break or whatever, I hope that you're having a good, healthy lunch today. Hope that you get outside and enjoy this 86-degree day. Hallelujah. Summer is back. Can I get an amen for summer is back? Amen. And uh, we want to welcome in to the studio, back again, Chris McEwen and... Maddie Nolan. Welcome, Maddie. Welcome, Hello. Maddie. Hello. Maddie Nolan is our social media director, and yeah. she's doing a bang-up job. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah, Thank fabulous job. Much. She's doing the um, Instagram posts, the Facebook posts. Mm-hmm. She oversees the comments on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Twitter's right. still a thing? Is that still? Twitter is still yeah. a thing. Twitter it's barely also. a thing, but yeah, it's still a it's thing. It's still there. I never know these days. <laughs> Always changing. So... Um, here's a couple of things I want all the Facebook watchers to know. Um, ask questions. Yeah. We, I just want to just like emphasize this. Ask questions. I love questions. I'm not afraid of any questions. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Mm. And we want to answer your questions. You know, the point of this study is to just like, let's, let's unpack the scriptures for ourselves, but then let's, you know, get some interaction. And there might be things that I say, man, I wish I had some more clarity on that. And we want you to ask the questions. Yeah. Right. So everybody has questions. Um, it is good to be uh, with you today uh, on the second Wednesday of September. And that I say that because we didn't have first Wednesday no. last week, but we will have Sen's Day. Yes. First Wednesday on the third Wednesday. Yes. And we've called it Sen's Day. Send, why is it Sen's Day? Because we're sending out two campus launch teams. At the same time. At the same time. That's, That's awesome. crazy. It's amazing. Two campuses are going are gonna to launch in literally three weekends. So I am exciting. That's crazy. I'm amazed. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, so, they're ready to go. They're ready to go. Yeah, they're excited. Yeah. Next Wednesday, join us for the Deep End Podcast. It is a special pre-recorded interview with uh, Jim Shackleton and Steve Fiella. Campus pastors. Yeah, you're not going to want to miss that interview. They're going to tell you their story, how this whole thing happened, mm-hmm. um, what God is doing, and um, what they need you to pray for Uh with them uh, about these campuses right so um we're very excited about that and then uh, just a a quick reminder for all of our waters church attendees who come to wednesday nights um that you got to get a babysitter got to get the babysitter Mm -hmm. this week sorry there's no children's ministry (laughs) 
And the reason why is because it is hard on our kids ministry program people to um, to get that going. Uh, every first Wednesday, they really struggle with that. And then secondly, uh, we need those children's ministry leaders in our first Wednesday yeah. environment. They need to get fed. They need to get fed. And they work so hard. Uh, moms and dads out there, whenever you pick up your kids, say thank you to these people. Tell them you appreciate them because mm. they... They work their butts off. They work really hard. And then they care. They really care and love your children. They do. They love your kids, and uh, they dance with them, and they do all kinds of great, um, you know, know, little things like events or crafts and all kinds of um, uh, interrelational kind of things to just kind of teach them the Bible. And uh, it's really awesome to have them doing what they do. Yeah, they they teach uh, Jesus on their level. They do. And it's so important to have kids taught the scriptures. Right. And get that foundation. You got to get the foundation. You got to get the foundation. Mm. So anyway. Um, ask your questions. Ask your questions. Keep That's coming right. in. Come to first Wednesday on Sunday. Or not, sorry. Third Wednesday. Third Wednesday. What time do you come? 6, a, uh, 6 p.m. Not 6 a.m. Not 6 a.m. No. no. <laughs> I will be sound asleep at 6 a.m. 6 p.m. for prayer. Uh, worship starts at 7, followed by a message. That's right. Yeah. 6 p.m. And again, you can come anytime between 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. Yeah, join us for corporate prayer. Join us for corporate prayer. And that that corporate prayer really builds up to a really great climactic time in God's presence. Yeah, Yeah, everyone's welcome to pray. Everybody's welcome to pray. There's no such thing as a stupid prayer. Call out to God. We do ask, though, it's not testimony time. Right. It's not, I got a prophetic word from the Lord time. You know, it's not any of that. We we put topics up there and we try mm. to... Stick to those topics because right. it's something that we're all corporately praying for. And it's not even individual, my individual issue prayer right. time. It is Corporate. calling out to God for our church, for our community, for our nation. Mm. We need God to change America. Amen. Mm. And he changes us, changes America through the church. So that's what we're doing. Make America great again. Amen. Not through Trump, through Jesus. Through Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so ask questions. Let's get into this. Are you guys ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to get Let's into this. Maddie, Maddie, you ready? You ready, I'm Maddie? so ready. All right. Good to have you. So we're going to ask this question again. When is a Christian least acting like a Christian? And I thought like, okay, let's talk about that because I'm sure we all have an answer to that. Yeah. Right? Like what's, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think, okay, when is a Christian least acting like a Christian? For me, I, I think judging somebody else. Mm. You know, yeah. that, that's, that's what comes to mind. But yeah, that's not, good... we're told not to judge others or so we're told by the world not to judge others. Yeah. yeah. So. And that's like one of the most often like critiques of christians right how dare you judge me so holier than thou judgmental people you know right maddie what would you say i would say the same thing honestly i think that's a big one yeah and it is so prevalent today Mm -hmm. because nobody wants to be judged sure and really what they mean by that is they don't want to be told not to do something right right (laughs) let me do what i want to do because the word judge does not mean um told not to do something it means that you make a valuation about something right that's good Yeah. yeah i can judge if this if this coffee in this cup tastes good or bad, right? I can make an evaluation sure. of that coffee, but I'm not saying don't be coffee. <laughs> you know, thou shalt not judge thou shalt not coffee. taste terrible. <laughs> so I think what they really mean when they say don't judge me is they're saying don't condemn me or don't you know don't try to stop me from being me because this is from who I what I want to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. So I have a better. I actually have an answer. I think is a more biblical answer toward. That question to that question: When is a Christian e- least acting like a Christian? Because, listen, you know, you could say, well, well when they're um, 
when they cheat on their wives. There you go. Number one right there. Or when they cheat on their husbands or when they, you know, pilfer money from the coffers of the company or when they, um, you know, rape somebody, kill somebody, whatever, whatever you want to say. All those commandments. All the commandments. Like that's obviously when a Christian is at least acting like a Christian. And I would say that those actions that you can perceive on a Christian's life that are bad are actually um, the fruit of something that's deeper. Right. So when a Christian judges someone or condemns someone or when a Christian is acting like holier than thou or self-righteous or, you know, licentious or whatever you want to say, when they're lying and stealing mm-hmm. and doing things, whenever a Christian's sinning in some profane way that's very obvious and we want to say, man, you're not acting like a Christian at all. I would say that that what you see on the surface is actually the symptom or the or the fruit of something that's deeper in the root. Something else is going on. Something deeper in the heart something is going deeper. on. And here's, so here's the answer because Paul is going to give us this answer and it's so important. And here, because if remember the Corinthian context is all these Christians are like dividing and getting hostile to each other and treating each other terribly and they are sexually immoral mm-hmm. and they are, um, you know, ripping people, ripping each other off, taking each other to court, hating each other. Right. You know, the Corinthian church, again, don't pray that we get back to the days of the early church because the early church was jacked up. Jacked up. But the early church was so messed up, and all that was the fruit of something deeper in their hearts and minds, and that was that they were not, and this is the answer, this is when a Christian is least acting like a Christian, when they are not listening to God. Wow. And that's what I'm going to impact. That's what we're going to impact today. Yeah, that's you, great. You act least like a Christian when you don't listen to what your father tells you to do. And I have three kids, and I get this because I can tell my kids, you know, uh, I tell them to do something, and um, they just don't do it. And they're acting very unchildlike, unlike me, unlike what I want them to be. And the, the action is the fruit of something deeper, and that is that they heard me, but they, aren't, they are not listening right. to me. So you can hear God. Sure. And you can hear from God, but are you listening to God? And that means, are you taking it in? Are you receiving it? And putting it into action, right? Putting it into action. Yeah. So Paul's going to talk about this with the Corinthians, okay? Let's read it. First Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to read 11 verses. Here's what he says. Verse 6, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Mm. For the Spirit searches everything, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the person, the spirit of that person, which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received the spirit, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this, Paul says, in words taught, not by human wisdom, but by the spirit. Right. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but he himself is judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Woo. Mouthful, Paul. Every yeah, well, <laughs> every section of First Corinthians is like this theological, you know, jam 
impact raisin. Mind blowing. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what to say. I couldn't come up with an illustration. Raisin works. Jam packed treasure chest mined from the depths of the oceans of God's word. It's mm, good. So fall, Paul wants to make fall. It is fall. But Paul wants to make <laughs> clear in this passage there are two kinds of wisdom, guys. There are two kinds of wisdom. There is the worldly wisdom, right? Which you can get from a secular university. Sure. Yeah. You can get from your grandma. Mm-hmm. You can get from some politician. Some statesman. Right. And it's not all bad. Sure. It's not all bad. Um, so I'm not sitting here saying, oh, the wisdom of the world is all stupid. No. There's a wisdom of the world, but then Paul says there is a wisdom of God. Yeah. And we got to remember this. Not every wisdom that you hear is wisdom from God. Right. And secondly, Christians and only Christians receive the wisdom from God internally and really start to understand it. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what this is about. You're going to you got to learn how to hear from God. Do the the title of today's talk is do not neglect to hear from God. You know, you hear from everybody every day yeah. in this world. Christians, please 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 do not neglect hearing from God. He wants to speak to you. Right? I, I you know, people say does God still speak? He absolutely still speaks. Sure. Mm-hmm. He sent the Holy Spirit to teach us everything right jesus said he's going to teach you things i haven't even had time to teach you to the disciples which is really cool you know and and so that's how we get the new testament because of the holy spirit but but we think oh god's not speaking no it's not that god's not speaking it's that we're not hearing we're not listening that's good god does not have a speaking problem we have a hearing problem yeah Yeah. unblock our ears yeah amen that'll preach right there (laughs) so we need to learn how to hear from god and so I got four things basically that I want to say. Uh, we, I, you know, I'm the three point preacher guy, but I got four today. If you're taking notes, take notes. Yeah. <laughs> Paul basically says, number one, Christians, you are called to acquire wisdom from God. And I think this cannot be understated. Let's look at verse six here, what he says. Um, he says, we do impart among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Now, I hope you have your Bibles open because we can't get the slides to work, everybody. So just pay attention to your Bibles. Verse 6, he says, we do impart wisdom. So right there, Paul's saying, we apostles, we apostles, and that's a very important (coughs) distinction there. He's not just saying every Christian does this. We apostles are imparting wisdom from God, a wisdom from God, not of the rulers of this age. And you have got to receive that. You've got to let wisdom be imparted to you. Mm -hmm. And over and over again in this passage, he's going to talk about this, that there is a transferal of wisdom from godly leaders into godly people. Yeah. Verse 6, we impart wisdom. Verse 7, God decreed this wisdom. Verse 10, God has revealed this wisdom through the Spirit. You know, these are all things. This is coming to you. It's got to come into you. Yeah. Over and over again, he says these words. We have received the Spirit that we might understand this wisdom. Yeah. Verse 13, we impart this in words. Verse 13, again, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Teaching, imparting, receiving, understanding, interpreting, verse 13. And then verse 14, spiritually discerning these things. All of those words are key words in this text to teach us that Christians are in the wisdom-gaining business. Yeah, Christian, if you are not growing in wisdom, you are not being a faithful Christian. (laughs) Now, you absolutely can receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and believe in him and remain stupid for the rest of your days, die and go to heaven. (laughs) 
well, I'd want more than that. Sure. I don't know if you want that. Who would want that? Yeah. Right? I love my kids because they always want to learn. I love watching this. They love to learn. Right. This is why they always touch things they shouldn't touch, by the way. Yeah. This is why your kid always reaches for the oven, always reaches for the stove. They want to touch. They want to feel. They want to say, oh, what is that? I need to know that. And so we have this God, like DNA programmed yeah. desire to learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is why we go to school, create schools, all the kind of stuff. Sure. And we want to explore. This is why people love to go to, like, to the mountains and climb. They like to go fishing. They like to go all the... We want to explore God's creation. We love to gain experience we love to gain wisdom knowledge and that's a good thing yeah yeah right but christians if you're only listening to the world and their wisdom and not god and his wisdom it will not go well for you yeah so paul is making this very clear to the corinthian context who prided themselves on what they knew and their philosophies and then their own little sectarian you know version of christianity and paul says look it is unacceptable for you guys to get all tied up in worldly wisdom you got to get hold of god's wisdom mm-hmm. one of my favorite passages in the proverbs chapter 3 and proverbs chapter 3 i love this verse 13 just listen to this guys just let this word come in your heart blessed is the one who finds wisdom Blessed. How do I get blessed, Lord? How do I get blessed, Pastor? By finding wisdom. Yeah. And he says, and the one who gets understanding. And it says this, she's better than gold. She's better than silver. She's more precious than jewels. Nothing can, de- nothing you can desire can compare with wisdom. Yeah. And he says, long life is in her right hand. In her left hand, her riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant. Her paths are peace. She, again, wisdom. She being yeah. wisdom. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold fast to her are blessed. Mm-hmm. How do I get blessed, Pastor? By growing in wisdom. Right. Mm-hmm. God wants to give you wisdom. Now, knowledge is knowing facts. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the facts. There's a difference. And the world has a, th- a wisdom that says, here's what you do with those facts. And God has a wisdom that says, no, 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 no. This is what you do with those facts. Right. right. And we've got to make that delineation in our mind. Um. I've, I've said this in a couple of weeks ago, but we got to remember this and you got to know your history. Americans, you got to know your history. We have, and this is fascinating, uh, public education in this country because of Christians. Yeah. And I don't think people understand this. Yeah. And, you know, so le- le- the, um, the Christian experience is not an excuse to stay stupid. <laughs> you know these people they yeah. want to just oh, I just believe what the Bible says but they never read the Bible sure they never get the Bible Stay closed mind. I just listen to God you know yeah but you don't actually in, you know put in the work to grow right in wisdom and so I want you know if you're in public education today you have to know that Christianity historically has always advocated for the education of the young the education of the adult mm-hmm. lifelong education yeah you know even the catholics have a, a lot to contribute here they you know they gave us the contemplatives the catholic contemplative movement to really right. think about things and contemplate the universe and isaac newton and all these guys they were from the catholic church or the anglican church and they believed we needed to exercise our brain and we talked about this two weeks ago yeah and I thought about American education, again, is from Christians. If you are in a public school that denies your ability to learn about Jesus in the public school, I want you to know that that public school exists today because people who love Jesus invented public education. That's right. Yeah. Oh, this just gets me riled up. Yeah. Well, because we forget our history, man. So quickly. And we don't even, it doesn't even get taught, actually. Sure. Public education. So, hey, if you're in public school, go to your teacher tomorrow and ask them. 
How did this start? How did this start? How did we show up at this building? Like, who came up with this? And I wonder if they'll know. No. Because I know. And I'm going to tell you. You can look this up. This is a fact. It's (laughs) Massachusetts invented public education. Really? Believe it or not, it was two towns over where it started. I can't. This is so amazing. Rehoboth, Massachusetts is the birthplace of public education. That's wow. And I think that they have like a schoolhouse where people can go visit there. And that wasn't the first schoolhouse ever. It was built in the 1800s, but it's like, you know, kind of like their boast, Rehoboth, the Mm -hmm. birthplace of American public education. That's a good boast to have. But here's what happened in Massachusetts. In 1642, the legislature Mm -hmm. passed an act, a law, to institute public education in any town where there was at least 50 families. Wow. Now, you want to know what the name of the law was? This is so fantastic. The Jesus Law. You would think, right? (laughs) You would think. The Jesus Needs You to Learn Law. Right. Here's the name of the law. The Old Deluder Satan Act. Wow. (laughs) That was written down and passed. Look it up. Ask your public teacher about the 1642 Act of Massachusetts Legislature to called that old deluder Satan act. Old deluder Satan. And here's here's the text. This is the text of the law. It says it being one chief project of that old deluder Satan to keep men from the knowledge of the scriptures. Yep. It is therefore ordered that every township in this jurisdiction after the Lord hath increased them to 50 households shall forthwith appoint one within their town to teach all such children as shall resort to him to write to read write and read whose wages shall be paid either by the parents or the masters of such children or by the inhabitants in general. <laughs> this is amazing, yeah, right? Yeah, that's great. The reason public education exists is because Christians didn't want people to be ignorant of Satan who loves to delude our minds. Right. Now today, we wonder why higher education is going off the rails, mm-hmm. why we have you know these campus crazies, these kids who can't even function with like an idea that doesn't, you know, jive with their whatever, their their idea of how the world should operate. And 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 why why? Why is it like so in many respects so misguided? Yeah, we've taken God out of taken, everything. Taken the source right out of right. the substance yeah. of what we do. And not to say that all public education is bad. My kids are publicly educated. Right. And there's a lot of worldly good wisdom for kids today. They need to learn to read, write, their ABCs, their history. Yeah. My problem is, and my concern is, is that history is getting rewritten by the textbook yeah. publishers. That's true. And kids don't learn proper history. Right. Now my kids come home and they, you know, they hear about the evils of Christian imperialism in this country. Yeah, it's been reversed. Yeah, oh, Christians came in and wiped out the Native Americans and shame on the Christians. And if you're a Christian, shame on you, like by implication. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait, you're rewriting history. They did a lot of good too. I know they did a lot of bad, but they did a lot of good. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, the way of life that they instituted, instituted in this country, we take for granted today. And uh, no, the Puritans were not perfect, but man, they wanted their kids educated. And I tell all this to say this, a Christian has got to learn. A Christian has got to grow in wisdom. Yeah. And Christian, if you're not growing in godly wisdom, you're going to miss out on the goodness of God in your life. That's right. And you're not being the best Christian you could be. No, you're not. And, there's, and what does it say in Proverbs? Blessing, pleasantness, mm. riches, honor, peace, all available to you if you get a hold of godly wisdom. Why would you want to miss out on that? Why would you want to miss out on that? Yeah. So anyway, without God, you see what happens. Like Harvard, Harvard University started for the education of ministers to teach 
people about the scriptures. Right. Right. Yeah. Now today, off the rails. Yeah. Yale, Princeton, same thing. You know, they got snowflake lounges now with puppies and coloring books because the kids can't function. <laughs> Again, we're, we're broad brushing here. There's a lot of good still in those institutions. I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, they're evil. No, please don't. I, I respect those institutions. I'm just saying that we make a fatal mistake when we eliminate God's wisdom from the education of our young. It's true. And this is why, like I said on Sunday, that we have 12-year-olds wanting to kill themselves. Yeah. Because yeah. we teach Epidemic. these kids. Yeah. We teach these kids, Come you are nothing. a highly evolved monkey. Right. And you're really nothing. Yeah. You're really nothing. So you just, you know, hey, your life doesn't matter. That's the implication of the teaching. Nobody says that, but that's the implication. Sure. With, you know? Without a purpose, why bother? So, so here's one of the Proverbs that, that kind of correlates with what I'm talking about. Proverbs 29, 18, it says this, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Let me say it in another translation. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Yeah. And that's what you have in, in today's generation of young people not getting, not getting taught that God loves them, created them, fearfully and wonderfully made. There's a purpose. There's a father in heaven. Even if their father and mother divorced, even if their father and mother don't like them, your father in heaven loves you. Yeah. You, you know, you, you, are, you are known by your father from before the creation of the world. These incredible scriptural truths. And, and we do a disservice to our young when we don't teach them. And so Christians, if you have children especially, you should be growing in God's wisdom so that you can teach this wisdom to your children. Right. Because it's not going to happen in the public education system. And so it's our job. And I, I think that's wonderful. Let's, let it be the job of the parents to teach their children about Jesus. Yeah. Because yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather, that's why I don't mind my kids going to public education. Yes, learn your ABCs and your one, two, threes. And when you come home, I'm teaching about Jesus. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I'm bringing them to Waters Church and Waters Kids. Yeah. <laughs> where they'll get fed. Where they're going to learn a lot but about But you have Jesus. to learn too, right? They, you have to the learn. The parents have to grow in wisdom by coming to church, being in a small group. Yeah. By the way, bring the questions in. We've yet to get a question. That's so all right. bring those in. That's all right. I'm answering all the questions, obviously. You are. Yeah. That's <laughs> all true. Right. So he says, it's a secret wisdom hidden in a, of God, which God decreed before the ages. In other words, it's eternal wisdom. It's not temporary, momentary wisdom. It's not just wisdom that just flows with the culture. It's from the ages for our glory. And he says, none of the rulers of the age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And he says, the rulers of the age, who are the rulers of the age? The rules of the age here are Satan and the demonic spirits. Right. We don't, it's not Pilate because Pilate, you know, was just a man. Yeah. It was not, you know, Herod. It was not. And you think about this. When Jesus is crucified, it all gets initiated by Judas. Mm -hmm. But before Judas initiates it, what does it say about Judas? Uh, Satan entered him. Exactly. Satan entered him. Yeah. Satan started the initi to initiate the crucifixion of Jesus. So what Paul's saying here is Satan didn't get this wisdom. Right. He can't understand this wisdom. Right. Mm -hmm. But here it was, it was a secret. It was hidden. And I'd like to think about it like this, that when Satan crucifies Jesus, he thinks he's doing something smart. Right. Thinks he's going to win. Yeah. And what he doesn't realize is God's secret hidden wisdom was that Christ, in submitting himself to God's authority, would overcome the unsubmissive nature of Satan. Right. That's right. You know, the insubordinate nature from, you know, heaven when he was cast out, mm -hmm. rebelled from the Father. And I thought about this so cool. This is why it's secret in his, and this is why God is so cool. Because when Satan thought he won intellectually or, you know, outsmarted God, here comes the resurrection. And it's just like the uppercut of God. Bam! Knockout punch. Out of nowhere. Right out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> knockout punch to the enemy. And I only share this to say this. Christian, listen. When you get a hold of God's wisdom and you do it and it's hard 
to do what God says in a world filled with people who don't do what God says, and people make fun of you and don't think you're right or smart, you got to understand it's secret, it's hidden. It's like a counterpunch to the culture in which you live, and you will be proven right. Yeah. It might take time, but you will be proven right. That's mm-hmm. right. So, you know, I just think about this. And he says, you know, it's among the mature that we impart this wisdom. And I thought about this. You know, you take a humble person, you take a person who doesn't need the credit, you take a person who doesn't need to use people but loves people. You take a person who gives, he doesn't take. You take a person who can control his own body, manage his finances, manage all these things that the scriptures tell us to do. Do you know what you call that person in, in life today? You know what you call a person who can control themselves and is humble and remains like, you know, steady emotionally? A mature person. Oh, okay. That's yeah. Right. yeah. That's a mature yeah. person. A mature oh, yeah. person is someone who's filled with and has been imparted with the wisdom of God. Right. So Christians must, must be in the acquiring business, acquiring wisdom business. Right. But number two, Christians acquire God's wisdom through the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul says here. Mm-hmm. Through the Holy Spirit, he says. He says, verse nine, as it is written, what no eye has seen or ear heard or the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed to us these things through capital S, the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the deep things of God. And then he says in verse 11, and listen to this verse, Christians, listen to this verse, Facebook watchers. This is such a powerful verse. And no one, for I'm sorry, he says, for who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person? In other words, you can know, you only know what you're really thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. And he says, which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Right. So this is why I love the Holy Spirit, and this is why you need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps you understand what you hear God say. Right. That's right. So this is a common event in our culture today. You ever get a text from somebody that you don't really know? Yeah. And you can read it, and because you don't know the person— Try to put it together. Yeah, you can kind of like, what are they saying here? Uh-huh. Yeah. You, ever get a, you never yeah. get a text. Like, are they insulting me? Right. Like, you know, <laughs> or something like that. And and they'll say something, and and you read, you can read the words, and you can misinterpret the words. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you know the person, yeah. If you have a really close relationship with the person, you can know exactly what they're saying. Yeah. yeah. You don't misinterpret. You know. I mean, if you get a text from your, you know, significant other, you can know. Pretty quickly, I know where I know they're in a I know they're in a bad mood, or I know they're happy, right? Or I, what, what happened, or you know, what being sarcastic, yeah, right. So here's the thing: we receive the Holy Spirit so that we can know the intention of our Father's words. Yeah, yeah. We, we can know what did He mean by that, mm-hmm. and this is so important because if there's one book in human history that has been used to abuse people, mm-hmm. coerce people take advantage of people, rule over people, it is the Bible. Right. Yeah. The Bible has been used as a weapon in people's hands. In fact, in the book of Eli, remember yeah. that scene? Denzel Great Washington, scene. Good Denzel movie. Washington. Good movie. Uh, yeah, uh, what's the guy that, he was the commissioner in Batman. What's the guy's name? Oh, uh, was it? Um, Anybody know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget. Um, oh, he was in so many movies. Anyway, yep. he's the bad guy, mm-hmm. and he wants a copy of the Bible. That's what the whole movie's about. And he's like, that book is a weapon. You you have that book. You can control the town. I mean, he's like, yep, that's right. Because we have things like Jim Jones in the 1970s. Right. It took the people to Guyana and had them kill themselves. I mean, this is sad, sad, sad So story. many cults. So many cults. David Koresh, Branch Davidian in, the, in Texas in the 1990s. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Sorry, Thank I you. had to look it up. Gary Oldman. Spot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's what happens to me when I watch it. In case you were wondering, Gary Oldman. What's his name? He was in something. I forget. So listen. 
you have got to have the Holy Spirit in you so that you can understand what God is saying to you. Yeah. And you can't understand what God says truly without the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about how, how this is why unbelievers, they read the Bible, they're like, I'm offended. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm offended. Right. So anyway, number three, Christians, though they have the Holy Spirit, have a prescribed way, a prescribed method through the Holy Spirit to acquire this wisdom. And the method is this. And Paul unpacks it here. Verse 12, if you got your, if you got your Bibles out. Verse 12, he says, um, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us. So we understand. So the teachers, we, Paul says, we understand the things freely given to us by God. And we, apostles, verse 13, and we then do what? Impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Okay. Oh, all right. We got a question. Yeah, we have a question. All right, what's the question? Sorry to interrupt. All right, it says, Paul speaks a lot about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> especially speaking in tongues and prophesying. Is that how you say that? Prophesying. <laughs> prophesying. prophesying. Yep. Why is this not more common in the church today if it is for the edification of mm. the body? Yeah, well, we talked about this at our small group meet, leaders meeting last, last night. Last night, yeah. And, and, and this really flows well with where I'm going right now, okay? There are speaking in tongues. There are prophetic words. Right. But they have to be done decently and in order, and every church needs um, godly instruction from godly leaders on how this should happen. Right. It can't just be crazy free-for-all. Yeah, no, not unorderly. Because that's what was happening in Corinth. Right. This is one of the things he's going to talk about later in the letter, if we ever get there. This probably happened in 2019 when we finally get there. Because <laughs> we're in chapter two, five weeks in. But nonetheless, um, there is speaking tongues. There is prophetic words. And in this church, it happens. But it has to happen decently and in order. And we have to have, and listen to this very carefully, because this is my point now. We have to have godly leaders and teachers, um, what he says here, understanding the things God gives us in the word, and then imparting that understanding into people who discern or interpret or hear these words. Right. It's a two-pronged process. God gives you a teacher, a pastor, a preacher to unpack the word of God to exegete the very deep theological term, to exhume from God's word what God is saying and then teach it to you. And through the Holy Spirit, Christians, you hear it, you receive it, it gets imparted into you, becomes part of you. Right, write it on your heart. Right, it gets written on your heart. Yeah. Now this is biblically based. There's a a point in the book of Acts where a, a, a guy, an Ethiopian eunuch, high member of the royal house of, Ethiopia right. is reading from the book of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. And in Acts chapter 8, Philip, who is filled with the Holy Spirit, comes up to the chariot he's riding in, and he hears him reading from the book of Isaiah. And Philip says, hey, do you understand what you're reading there? That's right. from the Bible. You understand what God's saying there? He goes, how can I understand unless somebody explains it to explains me? It to me. Right. This is in the book of Acts. Yeah. So Christians, you absolutely must have a teacher unpacking the word of God to you. You have to have. I am not a fan of you opening the Bible and just teaching yourself. Right. This is not scriptural. It's not scriptural. I'll prove it to you because in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says he, Jesus, gave to the church apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists to equip you. Yeah. Equip you, yeah. In First Timothy uh, or Second Timothy two two, he says, "Raise up other people who will be able to teach others." I mean, this is biblical. We have got to have teachers teaching others. Yeah. We have another question, or are we just no, no. Okay. 
just just make sure. So number one, the process by which God empowers you to receive wisdom is through godly teaching from Holy Spirit-led Bible teachers. And and you've got to watch out for this carefully because there are so many ungodly teachers out there. Yeah. So um, then secondly, God's people interpret, uh, they discern what it said. That's verse 14. Look what it says here in 1 Corinthians 2, 14. The natural person does not accept the things of God for they are folly to him and he usually discerned. So a pastor uh, decides the word of God unpacks it, he studies it this is my job by the way this is what i do for most of my time this is what i do for this podcast i i unpack it i explore it i interpret it there are scientific interpretation uh you know laws or guides on how to do it so it's not just i don't just open the bible and wing it right you know there are certain interpretation principles you got to follow and i do that for the feeding of the body so that the people who hear it can then properly discern right. what is being said through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's why we need to come every weekend. Why I need to come to church and get the Word of God in you. These okay. people who can skip church for months, yeah. I don't get. And usually something goes wrong and then they come running back. And then back. they come running right so back. Yeah. Don't let yeah. it go wrong. Keep coming. Yeah. So here's a great illustration to show you you need godly teaching, somebody who teaches us and, and you need to discern it. There's a passage in the Bible in Matthew 5, 29. That Jesus says this. This is from the Bible. If your right eye tear it out and throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Okay, how, are you doing that? <laughs> are you doing that text? Yeah. Well, what do we do with that text? Do cut. we cut off members of our body that are causing us to sin? Hopefully not. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> so it's in the Bible, though. Yeah, that'd be a weird-looking church. And I, I have yet to meet anybody who's actually done that, Yeah, which is kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> but Jesus it. said it. So the old Bible, the the bumper sticker, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, yeah, the Bible says it, but it has to be interpreted. Right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly. what Paul's saying. Get that you, wisdom. You need some say, here's what the Holy Spirit is saying. I'm reading the text, but I know the Holy Spirit, and he's telling me what he's really saying. Right. right. And so, like, this is funny, because throughout church history, there's always been a group of Christians who think that what this text is saying is, Eliminate every possible form of tempting thing in your. Well, this is where we get asceticism from. Right. Mm -hmm. Extreme asceticism. Right. In the fourth century, there's a guy named Jerome. He was a church father. He wrote the Latin Vulgate version of the Bible, the okay. Latin, the Latin Bible, translated the Bible into Latin. He left family. He left civilization. Went out to live in the desert because of something like this. Because of this verse. Well, I don't. I just can't. I just can't be around women because they cause me to stumble. Or I just can't be around, you know, uh, wine because it causes me to stumble. Or I just can't be around people because I might lie to them. And so he went out and lived alone in the desert. And he talks about how that didn't solve his problem. Right. Mm -hmm. He said. He said. And these are his words. In the desert, he says, "My face was pale from fasting, and, and he fasted like crazy. But my mind burned with passionate desires within my freezing body, and the fires of sexual desires stirred within me." This crazy. This guy's looking at sand, right? And he's having lustful thoughts. Sure. Because <laughs> the problem is not outside of you. The problem is it's, inside. That's of right. You. Amen. That's right. So, there was a fa church father in Origen in the second century. Origen read Matthew chapter nineteen, verse twelve, which said this: um, Jesus says, "Some have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven." And we all know what a eunuch is. I hope I don't need to explain it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah Male has eliminated his. Private parts. Yeah, his oh, private boy. parts. And uh, he read that text and did it. Wow. Yeah. That's, um, 
And so, you know, you origin. Need wisdom is what he you, you need somebody to interpret that text for you. <laughs> Please do not so, become a eunuch. The, so the thing is, Jesus is not telling us, hey, eliminate every form. That's not what he's saying. He's not right. saying eliminate every form of temptation. Because you would have to leave planet Earth. You would have to leave your body to right. eliminate every form of temptation. By the way, at the new resurrection, we do leave this body. You know, it'd be, sure. it's mm-hmm. sown in dishonor, it's raised in honor, and all that kind of stuff. So. But if you hide from all temptation, how are you fulfilling the gospel? As, exactly. That's How are you living as salt and light in the world? Right. Right. So, you know, what what do we then take from Matthew 5, 29, if your right, right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, throw it away. What do we take from that? Yeah. Because he says, he says, it's better to lose that than to go into hell. A couple of things. And this is interpreting that text. Okay. okay. First thing is we understand that some sins and temptations should be avoided at all costs for some people. All costs. Right. At all costs. If you're yeah. an alcoholic, don't go to the bar. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, right. You, know, you know, if you struggle with lust, you probably should get a guard for your internet access right. or something like that. You yeah. know, you should have things that you do intentionally to guard yourself from temptations that will cause you sin. And the second thing that we learn is, yes, we understand that sinful temptations can lead to a rejection of Christ mm. and cast us into hell. Right. Mm-hmm. The sin worst doesn't case scenario. Yeah, sin doesn't cost cast us into hell. Rejecting Christ casts us into hell. That's right. That's right. what he's saying here. You can get so tied up in sin, you reject Christ, and you go to hell. And that's that deeper problem. That deeper, and that's the deeper problem. Yeah. Number three, I think you can take from the passage is that Jesus is saying that even the highest um, human aesthetic value system mm-hmm. really is helpless in solving the sin problem in our hearts. Right. So you can avoid you know, every possible temptation and still there's a problem inside of you, not outside of you. That you can't fix. That you can't fix. Right. That's what he's saying. Yeah. So, and so again, here we go. Here's the principle for interpretation, everybody. This is why people like me do what we do, pastors and teachers. Scripture interprets scripture. There's another passage in scripture that backs up that interpretation of that passage. Colossians chapter two, verse 18 to 23. Paul is telling the Colossian church, uh, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism, the denial of all every, every possible pleasure in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And the worship of angels. And he goes, go. Then they go on in detail about visions puffed up about what they know, and da 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 da. And he goes on and goes, and they have these re- regulations for you: do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. This is all in Colossians chapter two. And then he says this: this is according to human precepts and teachings. And then I love what he says because he says these have the in. These have indeed an, an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value right. in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. It's kind of like what Jesus said to the Pharisees about their outside of their cup being clean, yeah. but not the inside. Yeah, sure. You can look like you're right. a, a Boy Scout on the outside, <laughs> but on the inside, you still got a wicked heart, and I have a wicked heart. And what Jesus is saying in that passage then is, look, you need something far deeper than, you know, some kind of program to fix you. You need your heart transformed. Right. Good news. Jesus is in the heart transformation business. Amen. That's what he does. That's <laughs> why he go. came. Anyway, I say all that to say this. Um, Waters and everybody watching and, and listening on, on the podcast, you need someone to spiritually interpret the scriptures properly and then you need the Holy Spirit to properly receive and discern the mm-hmm. scriptures. Okay, so going on to the, the next couple of verses, almost done here. Verse 14, Paul says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, 
Mm-hmm. And then he says in verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things, but he himself is judged by no one. Okay. The last point that I want to say, this is number four. Christians uh, do not judge the value of God's word to them on the opinion of the world about them. Right. Because yeah. it's a fact, Christian. When you start to do what God says to do, the world will not understand you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your unbelieving friends, your unbelieving family right. members. Right. And so Paul says the natural person doesn't accept this stuff. Mm-hmm. A non-believer is going to listen to the same message that I speak on Sunday. Right. Yeah. The, a, a Christian is going to sit next to a non-Christian. They both will hear, they, these two people will both hear the same exact message. Same words. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, and the Christian will walk out and say, God touched me. God spoke to me. That's mm-hmm. right. And the non-Christian will walk out and be offended. Right. Because, oh, that's stupid. That's just ridiculous. I, I can't believe you said that. And I've had this happen so many times. It's not funny. Right. <laughs> you know, um, and I was like, I say this, that passage is probably the greatest proof to me that the Bible is true than any other passage in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen that. That's Every, my experience as a right. preacher. Yeah. I see the non-believers hearing me speak this and say, that's just, ugh, that's offensive to me. I don't like that. Yeah. You know, you confront the world about what they believe. They're going to be like, hey, who are you to tell me what to do? Again, judge. Don't judge me. But then we should also feel uh, not afraid to share our faith, knowing that it's not under our power that they'll believe or not believe. Oh, of course. That we can't argue anyone. No, you can't argue. And I say that God. Right. You can't argue the, the people in the kingdom. So verse 15, and this is a very important passage. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Now, on the surface of that verse, it looks like, Paul is saying, hey, Christians, you get to judge everything, but nobody can judge you. Yeah, sounds nice. And this is this is why, again, you need someone to interpret, mm. rightly divide the word of God and interpret and tell you, here's what the Holy Spirit is saying through Paul to the church. And so uh, the word judge here in the Greek is krino, and it means to make an evaluation about something. And again, we talked about that earlier. We make an evaluation about the coffee. We don't judge the coffee. We don't tell the coffee to stop eating coffee. We make an evaluation. So here's what Paul's saying. Let's, let's use those words. In the, in, and I love the God's word translation of this verse, 1 Corinthians 2.15. It says, spiritual people evaluate everything, but they are, they are subject to no one's evaluation. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? As a spiritual person, I, through the Holy Spirit, can make right judgments about what I should do listening to God. Right. And then when I do them, other people will make judgments about me based on what they think I'm doing. Yeah. But Paul's saying, you're not subject to their judgment. Yeah, don't worry about what they say. That's right. It's tremendously freeing as a Christian to be able to say, I'm going to do what God tells me to do mm-hmm. as the Holy Spirit leads me. And if you don't like it and you're not a Christian, I, you can hate me. Yeah. And I can live with that because ultimately I am not subject to your judgment. That's right. right. It's the Lord who, and Paul's going to say this later yeah. in 1 Corinthians, it's the Lord who judges me. Mm-hmm. And so Christians, I say this like all the time to you on the weekends, and I want to say it again here. If you can get to that point where you do what God wants you to do and not need people to like you yeah. and approve of you and value you, freedom. Yeah, that is biblical freedom. Amen. And any unbelie- and any believer who's listening to this, and you have unbeliever friends or family members who think you're nuts, who think you're crazy, who think you've lost your mind, and we all do, and we all do, right? Mm-hmm. Do not let what your unbelieving friends and families think about your decisions for Christ be the valuation on which you base your life. Right. 
I am okay with you not liking me. And because I know how much my father loves me, I can still love you, my family members, my fam- my, my friends who don't believe in Jesus. Yeah. Because ultimately, I know I'm loved by my father. Amen. You know? So Paul closes up with this passage in verse 16. He says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? In other words, no one knows. No one knows the mind of the Lord. But then he says, But we, the church, we do. We have the mind of Christ. Mind of Christ, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's a that's just a powerful, powerful passage. Yeah. yeah. Seek wisdom from God. Yeah. Uh, that that brings me to a question. Actually, I've been receiving here a lot lately from our small group leaders. Uh, a lot of people are wondering, and uh, they have small group members that are potentially going to psychics and mediums for advice. And uh, I I was just wondering, Tim, your your opinion on that. Yeah. Don't. Okay. <laughs> don't <laughs> Stay go away. Okay. First, let's let's yeah. Let me take this on one step at a time. Number one. If you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you, the third person of the Trinity, he's living in you. Right. And then you have a church with Holy Spirit filled people around you. Mm -hmm. You can't get better than that. Yeah. Mm. In terms of wisdom and guidance and direction. Right. God's word, God's leadership, God's church, God's people filled with God's spirit is the absolute best place to go. It's like, why would you settle for a hamburger from McDonald's when you can get one at, you Smash know, burger. You Smash Burger. Right? Yeah, that's coming to it. Yep. Or you can get one at, uh, what's the other place? Five up Guys. In, yeah, Five Guys. I or like five whatever. Guys. You know, you can cook a nice, juicy one up there on the grill. Sure. It's like, don't settle for secondary, second rate spiritual advice. But the other thing is, the Bible clearly warns us don't go to spiritists, don't go to these things. But, but um, the other thing is, you have to understand that even if, you get sidelined by these ideas because I, I know no matter what I say, some people are still going to go to these places. Sure. And so I want to talk to people are curious. Yeah. The people who are concerned for their Christian, quote unquote, that, that you know, debatable, but their friends who are Christians who are going to these places and they're trying to listen to these people. Okay. Obviously, there's something missing in their lives or they're looking for something that they really should find sufficiency in Christ and what he's doing in your life right. through the church. But I would say this, if you're worried about friends, and I think this was why the question came up, you had yeah. a small group leader ask you this. Right. If you're worried about your friends going to some medium or spiritist, uh, you, you need to know what the scriptures say, what Jesus said about you and what, what he said about me. He said in John chapter 10, my sheep know or hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Right. My sheep, Jesus Us. says, yeah. know my voice and they follow me. Mm. And, and then he says earlier in that same chapter, he says, they do not listen to a stranger's voice. Right. They will run from him because they don't know the voice of the stranger. And my point here is simply this. Mm. Christians uh, th- that might get caught up in going to a psychic or spiritist. Okay. Again, I can't stop you. You're still going to do it if you want to do it. I mean, I, I really don't want you to do it. But, you sh- but if you do, and if you are a Christ follower... My hope in you, my hope for you also, and my, I know this, the great shepherd has got you. Right. Mm-hmm. And you might, you might go and you might hear something and you might think, ooh, 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 ooh. And then before you know it, the Holy Spirit's going to say, uh-uh. Right. Inside of you. He's going to tell you, no, 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 no. This is not God. Get out of here. Bring you home. Get out of there. Go back to the Father. Yeah. And uh, so my hope is never in me warning people always about, and I am supposed to warn people, but... My ultimate hope is the great shepherd knows who his sheep are. Right. And his sheep know his voice. Yeah. And they will not listen to another 
Not a a stranger's voice. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And, you know, that's comforting to the church. It's comforting to me. Sure. Yeah. Because, you know, you want to think, oh, my gosh, I hope I'm hearing from God. You are. Yeah. If you're a Christ follower, you will hear from God. Oh, that's great. Right. And when you get sidelined, and we all do. Look, man, I've been sidelined by sure. false voices. Yeah. Mm. We all get sidelined for seasons or days or weeks or months or even years or decades where we think this is right. And we try and we keep hitting, you know, the the the, the brick wall there, right. figurative brick wall in our life. And it's like God saying, I'm not letting you go. Yeah. Right. I'm not letting you go off on a rail. Hi, you are my sheep. Bah. You know, you are my <laughs> yeah. sheep. Come on back. Yeah. This is this is my voice. So the big the big point there is Christians, you are called to get wisdom from God, and he will also be actively involved in making sure you listen to the right voices. Right. He'll bring you back. So in conclusion, this this podcast, the four big points that I had for you. The four big points. Number one. Christians, you are absolutely called. You are absolutely called to acquire the wisdom of God. Number two, Christians acquire God's wisdom through the Holy Spirit. Okay, so you have the Holy Spirit of God to help you get God's wisdom. Number three, Christians have a prescribed Holy Spirit-empowered method to acquire God's wisdom. That is, godly, Holy Spirit-filled teachers who interpret Scripture and then the Holy Spirit that lives in you to help you discern what is being said and hear it and receive it. And then fourthly, Christians do not judge the value of God's word on the opinion of the world as they watch you obey it. And I think, man, that's just such a powerful passage to help us know uh, that God is going to grow us in wisdom that will lead to blessing and honor and pleasantness and all those things. Proverbs chapter 3 that he lists, the good life, if you will. And um, anyway. Seek his wisdom. Seek his wisdom. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time on The Deep End. Thanks for joining us for this week's Deep End podcast. We pray that you continue to grow in your faith and that you would serve and support your local church. If you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us this weekend at Waters Church. We are located at 57 John Deach Square in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. And you can join us every Saturday at 4 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. Make sure to stay tuned in for next week's episode of The Deep End Podcast.